0: Hello, and welcome to episode four of the Zachtronics podcast, where we go behind the scenes and explore how indie games are made. I'm Zach Barth, the creative director of Zachtronics, and my guest today is Dan Dixon of Giant Army, the creators of Universe Sandbox. Hey, Dan, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? All right, let's get started. Uh, so the first thing I want to ask you is, how big is your team?
1: I've got five full-time and a couple part-time people. Okay, and what's your
0: role on that team?
1: So I am the... I. Created the original version of Universe Sandbox, and I've been leading the direction and vision of the sequel, along with doing a little bit of uh, icon design and some of the aesthetics, and then just working with the team and uh, management.
0: So, when when did you originally create Universe Sandbox?
1: So I started working. So I'm, I made a, a, a simple gravity simulator, which is essentially what Universe Sandbox is at its core, way back in high school.
0: And every um, how long ago was that? Oh, <laughs> more than... more than A long time? It was a while. It was a while ago. I guess okay. it was like, gosh, 20 years ago? Oh, wow, okay. And
1: I every five years, I kind of kept coming back to the idea. So I'd spent a couple of weeks on it, got something working, and then, I don't know, abandoned the project. Five years later, I came back to it, made a second version. Five years later, I made a third. Five years later, I made a fourth. Actually, it was middle school, I guess, when I actually made the very first version. And this last time that I started working on it, I just... Didn't ever stop, and uh, I thought it would be a good portfolio piece to get a job with, and put it up on the web, and people started downloading it. And uh, anyway, so there's kind of the there's the kind of the earlier. And there's more to say about that, but
0: there's yeah. the, the early version of that. So when did you acquire your team?
1: That was that was after the I'd been working on the first one for almost. four, four years and released on steam and steam it sold so well that i then had the i had the resources to hire a team so i started with two guys chris and george um who had met through the internet um that live in germany started working with them uh the next year I hired a couple
0: more people so was that back in like 2011 that you got on 2011 steam? yeah so that was yeah. like the beginning of the. that's when space also got on steam and that's when that all took off for us too yeah april 2011 okay cool um so what, what's your background personally
1: I, I started as a computer science major for like a semester
0: <laughs> and,
1: and then I was uh,
0: and I, I remember Fuck this.
1: Yeah, basically. I remember the, the moment was, should I work on this interesting personal project in Visual Basic, or should I code up a which the assignment was to like code the text-based interface for an ATM machine in C, plus, I think it was C or C++ using like vm linux nonsense and i was like that is just not interesting to me at all and what i'm this other project which actually was a dating it was like a dating (laughs) compatibility simulator so like people would like fill out a survey and then like basically just like compare your answers and give you a percentage of compatibility this is back like 94 okay um yeah anyway so yeah so i did that and uh Anyway, so that was when I stopped doing assignments in my computer science class. And then I ended up switching to psychology after that and then ended up switching over to studio art and ended up getting a minor in that and just a general liberal arts degree. So I took, like, one astronomy class and I took one, I took, like, an, a non-calculus-based physics course. So, like, my formal training in what I'm actually doing is, like, technically non-existent. <laughs> Interesting.
0: Um... So let's dig a little bit more into how Universe Sandbox came to be. So you mentioned yeah. Visual Basic, <laughs> yeah. which is sort of an important part of understanding the history of Universe Sandbox.
1: The Yeah, I mean, the original version that is currently on Steam is written in VB.net. In fact, it may be the only, at least when it was released, I'm tempted to say it might have been the only, And well, gosh, are there any others? Yeah, it still yeah.
0: probably is the only yeah. game.
1: <laughs> That's written in Visual Basic. Uh It also, the original one also has no sound. So it's, I'm not for certain, but I would love for someone to point out like another example of this. It's, yeah, the only game on Steam written in Visual Basic and the only game on Steam that doesn't have any audio. Wow. So at least that was, that I believe, well... I only believe that to be true because no one's ever pointed out other examples of that.
0: Yeah, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Certainly, so. it's funny too. Is like I guess people make fun of. I don't, honestly, I don't even think people make fun of Visual Basic anymore because it's so past being a thing. But that's that. That was that was my tool. Like when I was growing up, like I was all about Visual Basic. It was really an amazing piece of software, right? Like, in a, time, in a time when you had to write, like, really overcomplicated C, C++ in order to create a windowed app, there's this tool Visual Basic, which makes it you just draw out what you want, you know, and, and code it up with, like, a really easy programming language. And what ended up being the basis for all, of like, the WinForms and C Sharp that you can do now that's mm-hmm. serious and professional. I guess Visual Basic was professional, too, but people still made fun of it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I, you know, and with .NET, like, the Visual Basic, it compiles into the same intermediate oh, language true, C, yeah. C Sharp. So, like, you know, it turns out you can actually ship a product that yeah. is uh, <laughs> at least somewhat successful in VB.net. Haters so, gonna
0: hate, you know. Yeah,
1: and when I started on it, I had no... Because when I started working on it, it was, like, over eight years ago. It actually was a... It actually came out of a code base where I actually had, like, a simple trebuchet. It was, like, a physics base. Like, I had some land and some blocks, and so that it was, like... I was like I'd like kind of manually hard coded up a like a physics based trebuchet and that, that I had working and then I was and then for whatever reason I'm like oh you know let's let's try adding spheres in and do that gravity thing again but what will be interesting this time is that because I have this other physics engine on top of it like the spheres will like bounce off of each other so the you know just imagine a whole bunch of balls kind of pulling to, uh, against each other and kind of like turning into this little kind of mesh of spheres but uh you know so like you know a whole bunch of like bouncy balls or whatever so that was kind of like the beginning of the first one again, like kind of one, that was like something new I hadn't done before in the previous three versions. Uh, and then slowly I like got rid of the ground and finally ripped out the code that actually generated the trebuchet. For, like for a long time, there was still a button you could hit that would spawn a
0: trebuchet. <laughs> in universe sandbox. In
1: universe sandbox. Oh, anyway, and then that's great. You know, another year passed and I put it up on the web and I was interv- I had an interview at PopCap. So that was actually my inspiration for putting it on the web.
0: Okay. Were uh, you in the games industry when this was all happening?
1: Yeah, so I I moved out to Seattle about 10 years ago to work at a studio called Surreal Software who which was a subsidiary of Midway Games and I was hired to work on a game called at well, at the time they were calling it Vegas and then it ultimately ended up being called This is Vegas. And then ultimately, a couple years after I left, they ended up, uh, one, Midway went bankrupt, Warner Brothers bought the studio and the game, worked on it for a little while longer. Uh, I heard they, like, talked about, like, turning it into, like, a Hangover-branded game.
0: Oh, God. Yeah,
1: and then and then they just canceled the project altogether and moved everybody to other... Pro- other. And, then, well, and then some of those people ended up working on the... I'm totally blanking on the name. The, the game that just came out, the Lord of the Rings game that, that did really well, so... Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, which in some in some cases were those pe- some of those people that I worked with their first game the the first game that it, it had shipped in like ten years wow. that they worked on. So yeah. So I worked on this is Vegas for two and a half years. It was in development for almost five. And another thing that I'm I, I'm fairly certain is true, or certainly close to being true. Someone point out an example that proves me wrong is that it was the most expensive video game that never shipped. At least at Oh, for interesting.
0: Because it was. Oh, that's some trivia.
1: Yeah, somewhere between, I don't know, depending on who you ask, you know, they spent anywhere from like 30 to 50 million. I don't know, 40 is the number that kind of comes to mind for me. That they spent about 40 million dollars on this title and the game never shipped.
0: Is it ironic that a game about Vegas involves like a huge bet that totally uh, oh. <laughs> did not pay out? <laughs> oh, you know, I hadn't actually made that connection, <laughs> but yeah. It's-
1: it had like that man. They had all the they had all the cutscenes done and audio recorded. Um, so somewhere exists all you know this almost you know, I don't know 40 minutes of cutscenes that no one's ever seen. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but it, like the game started, it it was pitched to me as the Sims meets GTA, which sounds really cool. And you know, yeah. and the idea was that you were going to be able to play as a male or a female. You know, you could you could you know really kind of choose your own path and much in the way that you play the Sims, which is. You know, so this, uh, this idea of a simulation, I found extremely compelling and interesting. And then over the course of the two and a half years I was there, they dropped the idea of being able to choose your own character. And now you're going to be this specific guy that looks a certain way and has this name and is kind of a terrible human. <laughs> and then,
0: you know. Less so of a simulation.
1: Yeah. Well, and then they, they, you know, I remember them talking about the idea of first, pers- like, you could go to any bar in the city. And then if you went again, you would kind of like get to know the bartender. And then that bartender would give you would give you missions. So this kind of like you kind of get to pick the bar that's your home bar, and and the missions mm. come out of that. And that you know that all got thrown out as well. And I just, I remember thinking that was that's kind of seemed interesting and cool. So the kind of yeah. So over the course of that two and a half years, I just fell out of excitement about the the direction of the project, and then it just turned into a, a GTA clone that wasn't admittedly going to be as good as GTA or even other games of its of, of its type. Like you know one of the things that GTA had was like pers- uh, kind of like automatic mapping that shows you how to drive on a little map and like that was a feature that we didn't have and um are just so many things that were that were going to be missing even if, even if they were able to get it out that it was going to it was going to be a sub which i think is why warner brothers ultimately ended up canceling it
0: yeah so. would you say that you're passionate for like simulation games that's that's kind of my thing it turns right. out uh, are, are they connected because i mean universe sandbox definitely a simulation game
1: Yes, I mean I, that was the, that was what I was most excited about in that on that project. Whether it was like it was going to be GTA, but like with more simulation. Mm, interesting, or at least cool. at least that's how it was pitched, and then that's not at all how it ended up turning out.
0: So you ended up focusing instead on Universe Sandbox, and then you got it on Steam and made buttloads of money like everybody else in two thousand eleven. <laughs> and uh, and then where would it go from there?
1: Yeah, well, I, yeah, I mean it's it was, yeah personal project to, to resume piece. Put it on the web. A friend of mine posted a message about it that drove like 9,000 visitors to it in the first day. I transitioned it from at that point it was free. I transitioned it into a name your own price model. Um, <laughs> worked on it for another two years, another like 20 updates later. Then it launched on Steam April of 2011. And at that point, I you know I still I still thought okay, well you know I I you know had grand plans for what I wanted to do with it after that. One of those being actually was before I launched on Steam, like the next big feature that I was interested in working on was like modular spaceships. Uh,
0: Interesting inside of it. Um, Something it still doesn't have yet, right? Like space travel. Yeah, it's
1: it still doesn't. Yeah. Well, we as of
0: uh, we I guess there's just, other games that have done that.
1: There, well, and, and yes. So and everyone's going to think I, I I copied them uh, <laughs> if we win and if we get around to doing that. But spaceships as of we just we just pushed an update yesterday, the the Pluto update, which has a <laughs> a, a, a flyby of the New Horizon spaceship uh, flying by Pluto, which is due to happen July. Fourteenth, so next Tuesday. Oh wow! And uh, so we have a, a flyby of that. so You can kind of just see this, the speed and the scale, and it's crazy because this thing like has been traveling there for ten years, and it's not even it's not even going <laughs> to stop and say hello. It's going to fly right by in a matter of hours. So, uh, but yeah, so we pushed an update. So that is our our first like placeable spaceship. Although there's no p- propulsion or you know there's no options or anything special. It's just literally an object floating in space. Interesting. So, and then nasa conveniently has accessible positions and velocities for these things so we can just plug that in and doing the work for you kind of yeah you, you plug in these you plug in these numbers from nasa and it just and it just works that's and really like, oh, cool everything's everything's in the right position so okay
0: i want to come back to that yes. um but i just want to finish really quickly talking about like how it came to be so yeah so it okay. steam success where does it go from there
1: for a while, I thought I was going to continue working on the original or continue updating the original. I uh, reached out to these two guys, Chris and George, that I had uh, worked with a little bit on the original. They, one of the guys wrote the UI library that I ended up using, and the other guy helped me with some lighting shaders. And I was like, you know, let's fix this. And so we, we, decided, to use, we, we decided to move to Unity because I was u- using VB.net and then this random 3D engine that no one had ever heard of. <laughs> um, and I kind of imagined that we were just going to do like a, a, a just a quick rewrite or maybe we could import a lot of the code or I don't know like a lot of wishful thinking at, at that point and that you know it'd be really quick like you know in a matter of months We'd be able to like get back to where we were you know, as far as like kind of feature feature set for the compared to the original and Everything it ended up taking a lot longer, but it also everything was the foundation was so much better. So yeah, so worked with them for a little while found a guy on youtube who had posted some videos of some planetary collision work that he'd done for his master's thesis and reached out to him about uh like acquiring that code he's like well maybe i could just implement that for you and then he so he started working kind of just part-time and he's like you know actually what i'm going to do first is i'm just going to rewrite all your physics (laughs) and we'll get we'll get around to planetary collisions later uh and actually, what he got hired for was so actually he had done a, a technique something called smooth particle hydrodynamics, which is like particles with like pressure consideration and crazy math that makes like fluid physics essentially, um, which is actually how planets really act when they collide together. Uh, anyway, we so he's been working on that in, on the side, but he, we we actually still haven't gotten into, uh, into implementing that. we have just working <laughs> on kind of core stuff. Uh, hired an astronomer at that point to help make the science better. Then the next. <laughs> Let's see. And then a year after that, uh, brought on a climate scientist to do climate work, brought on another guy who used to work on Kerbal Space Program to help do more awesome code and stuff. And then have since brought on a little bit of reshuffling and then have brought on an astrophysicist uh, just in the past few months. And we're kind of working toward the, the actual steam launch uh, here in just a
0: matter of months. Cool. And that's that's the Steam launch of Universe Sandbox Two?
1: Two, the sequel, yes. Which is what we've been working on for the last four years. So Oh wow, okay. Yeah. So so I imagine that somehow (laughs) the original one was gonna be like it was gonna be this quick it was gonna be this quick thing and then four years later and we're still you know, we still haven't officially launched it on Steam. We've been interestingly, we've been selling it on our website for the last year, which has been allowed those who have been really excited about it. Uh, who just couldn't stand it any longer to get access to it? It's also allowed us to make sure we've already we've tackled like the worst, you know, like the startup crash bugs and like just some, you know, some like weird problem. Anyway, so we've
0: has it been early access? It is like we've early st- early access that yeah
1: earliest access that's one way of calling it yeah there's no it's not a we've been essentially we've been selling steam codes through a humble widget on our website and that's the only way you can get it so but it's been really nice because like when we go to launch on steam i'm feeling quite confident that there's not going to be any horrendous issues that we've just you know five percent of our users are not going to have problems starting it up which where i could imagine that might be the case without all anyway essentially we've just had this amazing kind of yeah. Long test period.
0: You've gotten to test it. I mean, that's an important thing with indie games because indie studios don't have test teams typically. Mm-hmm. So I, we definitely took advantage of that with early access. You know, shipping. But we've been able to ship fearlessly because if it breaks, we can be like, "Ah, eh, it's early access," and then fix it very soon after.
1: Yeah. So we're well. Yeah, the plan is to not ship something. We've kind of almost done our own version of that. In many ways, that was how the original version of Universe Sandbox was. I had been selling it on my website for a few years. And so when I launched on Steam, you know, I wasn't, well, there were actually still some crazy issues. But they weren't as bad as they would have been had I not had all this, like, you know, two years of development prior to that with, with actual real user testing. Cool.
0: I, it's, you were talking about it being a couple months away. I feel like, so I've known you for years now, and I feel like uh, Universe Sandbox 2 has always been a couple months from shipping, mm. <laughs> like six months well, away.
1: <laughs> well, that's actually true, We've, We yes. Uh, I mean, when I started, it was six months away, or when we started working on it back in, at like, t- kind of toward the end of 2011, you know, I had imagined that we were gonna ship in 2012, and then in 2012, I thought we were gonna ship in 2013, gosh, 2014, I don't know, like how many, gosh, you know, years, yeah. <laughs> But we have publicly announced that we are shipping summer of 2015 which gives us until September 23rd <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> whatever, te- whatever te- day is technically the last day of summer
1: yeah uh, and and the product is actually feeling good enough that regardless of where it is kind of regardless of the state that it's in we'll we'll just ship that and we're gonna call it early access anyway and that'll be good enough like yeah. If we had to ship it tomorrow, that wouldn't be the worst. You know, we, we could probably get away with that. But, cool. uh, you know, another, another, say, six weeks of development, uh, kind of really trying to knock out these more, the more terrible bugs. And there, man, there are, there are a <laughs> lot of issues. Turns out trying to make this super open-ended software where you can do almost anything you want Oh yeah, creates a whole cascading series of those.
0: I can imagine. Okay, so we're going to dig a little deep. Okay. Uh, we're, first, we're going to talk about programming. Since I know you're all about programming. And
1: uh, <laughs> I do that from time to time. So
0: Yeah. So, you know, the original was written in VB.net uh-huh. and the new one is written in Unity. Mm-hmm. Um, are there are there any other technologies or languages that I mean, I guess it's probably not programming languages, but are there any other like technologies or programming things that you guys use?
1: We actually had OpenCL stuff uh, Interesting. O- OpenCL code working. We about four months ago we started we did a we started working on a physics uh, almost a complete physics rewrite, again. <laughs> uh, and in that, we actually were able to improve the native code, or excuse me, the, uh, the, we were able to improve just the, the raw C-sharp managed code to actually run faster than the OpenCL, the older OpenCL implementation. So we've actually currently ripped out the OpenCL implementation, um, but it's been rewritten in such a way that we'll be able to like plug back in OpenCL support or native, like, native uh, C++ code, Kind of just into the parts of the physics engine that are the slowest. Interesting. Uh, So it'll be this kind of like uh, like a managed wrapper that can then wrap around native or uh, yeah native or OpenCL or like C++ AMP I think is the thing. Yeah, another thing that we're exploring. Cool. So yeah, there's a little bit of. So no, I guess so. Technically, in the current version, no. But there will be an update where we do add a little bit of that. And gosh, it's it's so it's even going to run faster. Like the the update that we pushed about a month ago, like runs so much faster than it did. And we still see a number of things we can do to push that even further. Do you guys have a lot of performance problems? Kind of yes. Uh, we certainly have. But it, it also kind of d- depends on how many objects you want to throw at you know you want to run
0: yeah. at one time. So like I mean, it's op- unbounded. People could add any number.
1: Correct. Yeah, there are, we have some limits, but those aren't always followed consistently. Yeah, but I mean, you can, you can spawn, I mean, there's actually, a, there's, there's some included simulations that will bring every computer that ever tries to run them to a halt. There's like a, you know, there's a simulation with like 5,000 moons, and That's it'll run, lot. but it like runs at like one frame a second. Okay. So, but it, you know, yeah. but, so don't run five thousand. You know, then that yeah. really is more of a stress test. Uh, doesn't run at all, kind of a thing.
0: Yeah, that's what Infinifactory, The performance is similar. That it's it's all user created, so it's kind of unbounded. You know, people could build ridiculous things. People could rotate, which is really expensive in our engine, mm. and it's yeah, <laughs> it's the performance can always be better. Yeah.
1: Interesting. I mean, one of the other issues we've been tackling that we tackled in a recent update was uh, like when when two bodies, when two planets collide, and there's all this these spawning of all these particles. That spawning was a fairly slow. Mm. It kind of caused some glitches and, and and hitches. So performance is perpetually an issue for sure. But in some ways, though, there's nothing to compare it to. It's like well does you know does our planet crashing simulator run faster than others well
0: mm, yeah <laughs> you
1: know, so that's that's convenient but yeah there's there's always always work to do on that although well, interestingly enough like it's other people on the team who are like far more concerned about that than I am I'm like oh, yeah. <laughs> let's add a new feature I don't care how slow it is I just want to see it work at all I don't care if, you know I don't care if it's a slideshow it'll be cool to have that working at all and then we'll then we'll figure out performance issues later
0: yeah i think that's the right attitude to have i mean especially cuz you're in the position of sort of being the uh, the vision setter you know, mm-hmm. and if if your vision setter is merely preoccupied with performance metrics, that's not very good for the the product being something that people want. Yeah,
1: I mean, when I when I so I, you know I wrote all the code for the first one, and when faced between performance optimizations or improving the interface slash polish and and new features, I would always choose new features or polish. Yeah, uh, the performance was. I'm like, well, it, run, it runs. I don't know. It runs enough, well enough. So yeah. trails in the original one are horrifically. I just totally implemented those the wrong way. You turn them on, <laughs> like, frame rate drops by like a, you know
0: two thirds. So they work. <laughs> they do. They do work. They look good. So uh, that's awesome. Okay. So this is something that may or may not be relevant, but art. What are the art? Are there artistic influences in Universe Sandbox? Like what is you know? I mean, often in a game. You know, you'll have somebody who's in sort of an art director role where they'll they'll set the like the influences and sort of what the style of the game is, like what the visual style, mm-hmm. what it looks like. How does that work in a game that's about simulating solar systems?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, the in in many ways the uh, the you know the art the art that uh, the concept art uh, that is just is are is photos that NASA has taken. So okay.
0: Um, so y- the, your planets look like planets. That's kind of the point, right?
1: Yes. Uh, So there's. So there's. You know. So generally, I would say, well, we're trying. We're going for a realistic, like
0: photorealistic.
1: Yes, more or less. Uh, Like you don't.
0: You don't like stylize. Like you're not going for like a stylized appearance of planets. Like you're trying to make it look like a photo of the planet.
1: More or less. I mean, I think it's probably it. It would probably be better if I would say that we are going for a slightly stylized look, because I think that's actually yeah. the look that we have, is a slightly yeah. stylized look. But it's, I guess it's
0: hard to take pictures of planets. <laughs> it's mostly
1: realistic, uh, but certainly a realistic, you know, mostly realistic approach. And then, you know, in many ways, like, the other kind of aesthetics are... I mean, there actually are a number of aesthetic choices. Like, the like kind of randomized colors, the randomized colors of trails of bodies kind of, like, can actually mm. kind of make a, a, a fairly kind of significant... Impact on the the feeling of the uh, of the game. So that's or, something you
0: guys think about. You don't just say like it's a simulation. To hell with it. It'll look like whatever it looks like. It's
1: it's something I think about a lot. Okay. Uh, um, and then the other you know the other big art piece is the the interface, the UI. Yes. And we in addition to that physics rewrite, we also uh, pushed out an update that was a pretty major transformation of the aesthetics of the interface. And we actually ended up going for. Um, we were very inspired by Google's material design aesthetic okay, yeah. and their, icon, their icons. And so when, you know, when there was an icon that Google had already come up with that was exactly what we needed, we just used that. And then all the other icons that we've added have been or uh, certainly attempted to be kind of inspired by that aesthetic. But then otherwise, just a very clean, simple, minimalistic, slightly transparent, monochromatic UI. Uh, Is it the flat? Kind of flat, exactly. It okay. kind of stays out of the way. So how, how posh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, so as opposed to like the interface being this crazy... Looking like a 1980s spaceship control panel or something, which you know would be another another perhaps interesting direction, but I think kind of gets in the way of uh, would get in the way of what should be the the main event, which is two clans colliding in real time. Yeah,
0: yeah. From from what I've seen, I I think it looks very classy, and it kind of it is yeah, just like a really clean, classy like space right science is like clean and classy, and Mm -hmm. you know focus on the content. I think that makes a lot of sense. So you create uh, icons. (laughs) That's your that's your thing.
1: I, that is like my Zen, my go-to Zen thing. Interesting. Uh, that, and the, the, I drew all the icons in the original one as well, and that was uh, you know it was like do some coding and then okay now I've got to come up with an icon for it and just it, kind of switching back and forth between that icon really yeah so I don't know, some, some for whatever reason icons are just uh, I, I I love them there there can't be enough of them and 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 making them is just super super satisfying.
0: Is, is that something you focus on outside of Universe Sandbox? Like just in general, you oh. like icons, well, or is it specifically? I, mean, I, would,
1: I would say I, I've certainly gone through. Yeah, I mean, like historically, I've found icons to be fascinating. Okay. I wouldn't say that's like something I spend a lot of time on. Yeah. anymore. I, mean, <laughs> I,
0: I guess I mean like yeah. Before, if you were if you had an interest in it before you started doing it as part of Universe Sandbox,
1: I would say yes, of of sorts. So not to, not to overemphasize it either, but uh, yes. <laughs> okay.
0: I don't want to talk anymore about icons. I'm okay. like, <laughs> I don't want to make this a half an hour talk about icons. <laughs> cool. cool. Unless you do, I guess. But. <laughs> uh, we,
1: we may have talked about them too much already.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about game design. Because this is something that you know. I, I'm primarily a game designer. Mm-hmm. You're technically primarily a game designer. <laughs> I guess I don't have to say technically. But like, your ga- is Universe Sandbox a game? This is something we've talked about a lot. Like, is it a game? And maybe the better question, because that's, that's a stupid question. It doesn't matter what is a game or isn't. But do you think the development of Universe Sandbox is more like designing a game or designing a software application, where it's more about creating features to enable your users to do the things that they want to do with your software?
1: Well, I, I, feel, like, I feel like the answer I should say that it's, it's like a game. But, I, but I, in my, I suppose in my heart of hearts, I feel like it is more like a, more like an application.
0: Yeah, and at least in, you know, you could you could still have something be developed in a fashion similar to an application, but it could still be fun like a game. Oh, well, uh, I
1: mean fun is totally I mean that's uh, that's perpetually a focus. So, yeah. making it can get accessible and interesting and I, I think easy. Excel
0: doesn't. They don't try to make it fun, right? You know, in the same way that you do. So yeah, but it, but in terms of developing it, you develop it like an application.
1: That's probably fair. I mean, there's you know, in the way that there's no. I mean, the, I, in many ways, I feel like the challenge that we have is not to create, say, an interesting puzzle or an interesting challenge, but is to make interacting with the universe accessible and interesting. Yeah. and Easy like that. I feel like that's the challenge that we're still that we're still working on and giving the user all these options and controls and all this power and making that and, and not overwhelming them, which I'm not sure we've succeeded at either. But <laughs> that's the, I, I feel like that's the, that's the problem that we are perpetually working on solving.
0: Yeah, I mean, trying is half the battle, right? Like, there's a lot of people who don't try to do anything about that in their games. So the fact that you're trying, I think, is a good thing.
1: Well, I mean I could you know I mean I could imagine that we could have you know we could have conceivably we could have the, the exact same visuals and the the same kind of simulation tech but that without easy to use accessible controls it just it would not be as it would not be as popular.
0: Can you give me an example of like a little innovation you've made in usability? Could be a small example. I'm just
1: Well, I mean it's it's you can hit the number keys and that launches bodies out kind of a Kind of from your view and, and into the simulation, and then they crash together. So you can you can just literally open up a scene with nothing in it, and then start pressing buttons, and bodies start appearing, and they just all collide together, and it's epic and climatic and amazing. Uh, but without so having that,
0: to yeah, what makes that good?
1: Well, you don't have to look at the the you know despite it despite there being all this depth behind the science and the numbers and the calculations and the physics. You you can totally play around with with universe sandbox without having to without having to look at that if, unless you want to.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's you don't have to know what velocity is. You don't have to set vectors. You just fire yes, them but off. You,
1: right. You can do that, but there's a lot of things you can do without having to look or care about the numbers or understand them at all. Interesting. So yeah, I would say you know, or being able you know you you want to you know you can make a solar system without kind of thinking about numbers either. Like you you click the add button you select a star, put that down, and then you flip over the planets, grab a planet, drop that in, and it automatically puts that in orbit around the planet, or puts the planet in orbit around the star. So, you know, so all that kind of math and everything is taken care of. So certainly, like, at making an option to allow the user to have to kind of pick the velocity, I mean, that, that can be an interesting challenge and something that we actually had working in the original but have yet to implement in the new one. So there's you know, still, it's kind of a, there's still a lot of interesting things to do, but you know, so it's, it's super easy to make a solar system without having to think about numbers and just with clicking. So yeah, trying to make trying to try to make that stuff as, as simple as possible. Cool.
0: Yeah, it's an important thing I think in an application, especially having it be that you know people are are going to come to your application with a huge variety of skill levels, mm-hmm. and you want to be able to accommodate all of them and enable all of them to be successful, regardless of if they're six or whatever the opposite of 6 is <laughs> for being experienced i'd say 60 but then you might not be good in computers either so <laughs> yeah yeah
1: i mean we've got you can like any any property you can actually click a button and get a real time graph of that so you can like say look at the temperature of the earth and as as oh, wow. it kind of cycles over time oh, that's cool yeah so i mean it's, there's some super geeky features uh, that like make me You know, like make the back of my neck chill up a little bit. I'm like, oh, that's so cool, and like, oh, look at that graph, and like, oh, wow, you know, look at how the, you know, you can see the dips. Or like, you know, we we added a uh, a simulation based on the uh, Game of Thrones television series. That was based on a paper where someone was trying to figure out what is the orbital configuration of a planet that has these crazy seasonal long
0: winters. Uh, you can predict when winter is coming. Well, maybe, right? Yeah. Maybe. Anyway, well,
1: it turns out they weren't able to actually... So what they, what they proposed was that it was a binary star system with a planet around that, and they don't, they're don't. they like, well, we're, actually, we're not able to get the, the actual results that are suggested by the book and the television series. But you do get these weird, crazy cycles, which show up best when you do a, a real-time graph of the temperature of that planet orbiting these two stars.
0: So do you have a setup that is that in the game? Yes. Do yeah. you have a planet that's laid out like the 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 the, like the continents of that planet?
1: Uh, I think it's I I think we're just dropping Earth in there. So okay. It's, so yeah, I mean that would be like the next thing to do. But the, the yeah. quick way of us kind of prototyping that, and then and so, and that actually is included. So you know, uh, home open fiction is the category, mm. and it's it's underneath that.
0: Do you have any other fictional planets in there? We've got. Uh, do you have Arrakis? Well, there is so much.
1: There is so much more to be to put into that tab. At the moment, we only have three. Uh, there's like we added. Um, we actually just added one the other day from Thread Worlds or something. Someone was like, "Oh, there's this the guy that made the the, the guy that wrote the last Airbender is coming out with a comic, apparently a, a graphical novel in like 2017, and it's a it, the the idea is that it's five planets all in the same orbit uh, around a star." And someone tweeted at us like, "Is that?" Would that even work, or would that be stable? And turns out it's, it wouldn't. Uh, mm. Same so anyway, But we, so you know, it took me like five minutes to mock up a simulation, and so we dropped that in the, the last update as well. And so you, you, if you let that run, like after about eight hundred years, so there wasn't much data to go on. But I took five Earths, put them around a star uh, at the same distance that Earth is from the sun, uh, put put it around our sun. So given that setup, in my the, the one test I did, like there was a collision after about
0: eight hundred years. So, Interesting. You should write them and be like, "This is bullshit." Your, <laughs> exactly, your science is terrible.
1: Yeah, and then there was a, and then there was also an author that had contacted us. Uh, that was writing a was trying to figure out what would happen if a, a small black hole passed through our solar system at like like one tenth the speed of light or something like that. Mm, and yeah. so we created, um, I actually created a tool for him to use to like kind of set up different scenarios. And then we've included, so we've included a, the, the scenario that he used to. Wait, who was it? To, um, was it Matthew was it? Matter? Oh, okay, yeah. So he's that book is coming out in August. I gosh, so in like two months. And so there's a simulation of that. But yeah, there is so many more. There are so many. You know, so there's, gosh, they almost are super random, right? What a what a weird collection so
0: far. Yeah. uh, uh <laughs> that is two books that haven't yet been released. <laughs> uh, exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, people will love that. <laughs> exactly. There's yeah. There's so much more to do. Like that's actually one of my that actually in some ways is like one of the more interesting things to me is like trying to create a realistic simulation of this fictional... Yeah. This fictional encounter. That's
0: pretty cool, so, yeah.
1: Yeah, so the original Universe Sandbox had uh, Death Star orbiting Endor, and it had um, a simulation of the Halo ring in like the, at the, mm, the Lagrange yeah. point between Threshold and Basis from the Halo video game series. One of the things I'm excited about that we'll be able to do in the new one is um, actually doing a, a, an actual ring that's not just this, like, fixed mesh but a an actual physical simulated ring that you, you'll actually be able to... that'll actually be spinning and you'll actually be able to break it. Anyway, features <laughs> to come. So, okay, like that's... huge orbital space structures using tethers.
0: Okay. Ways, oh, tethers. Of, yeah, I've heard about yeah, tethers. Yeah, oh, my God.
1: Tethers are, like, the thing that we don't have in that are, like, the most exciting new feature Uh So that brings me
0: to my next question, which is how do you decide what features to add and what features not to add?
1: Every... F- uh, how did we... Well, the features, yeah... We decide what features not to add when we run out of time. Every feature is a good idea. Like that is my problem. Uh,
0: you know, <laughs> is this your weakness?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, like you know, like how did that random weird uh, simulation with those five planets get in? Because I happen to be sitting in front of my computer when I saw the tweet, and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to try that real quick. And then I'm like, oh, might as well include this in the, in the next update that we're releasing later today. So how do fe- yeah, how do we decide what features?
0: Like tethers. Why did you not cut tethers? You know? Well,
1: because tethers is like super exciting. Uh,
0: is there is there a point at which you would cut tethers?
1: I suppose running out of
0: resources would be. How the- do you measure that? Like when when it when it bankrupts you? Yeah, yeah.
1: When when I run out of money and I can't pay Thomas to develop that because that's like totally crazy physics nonsense. So yeah. I mean, you know, most of that is is relying on Thomas uh, who's. Who's written all of our physics. Yeah. Well I mean
0: surely you would you would cut a feature before it bankrupted you. Yes. Right? Yeah. So you just kinda go by gut. Yeah, well I mean cuz like when we make a game we come up with a vision we try to scope it down to something we can make and then we make it and ship it but this is sort of a perpetual project mm-hmm. with a lot of I mean you could you could add just an unlimited number of features and it'll never be really inappropriate to to not add a feature or to, to add another feature right cuz it's so, as a simulation it's kind of a bag of features that's that's the the appeal
1: yeah there is there is no i have no uh, Endpoint in mind for when we're going to stop working on this. The plan is to continue. Which is
0: fascinating to me, by the way. Well, as somebody who hates working on any project for too long of a period of time, I
1: might. I'm tempted to say I'm more excited about Universe Sandbox now than I have been in the previous eight years. Like, if anything, we've like now we've got this ama- you know, this pretty solid code base that does a lot of cool stuff, and in many ways, it's like, okay, we can finally do the cool stuff that I wanted to do after, you know, we're kind of at the point where I was with the original version. I was like, okay, now I can let, you know, we can, all the core stuff works, so now we can like start to do new things. And that's kind of, it's kind of where we are with this new one. So I, I find that really exciting. Uh, you know, like stuff, tethers, for example, you know, I mentioned component spaceships. I think that could be extremely compelling and interesting, although we don't actually have immediate plans to start working on that, but you know, long term, that sounds very interesting. Doing more complex climate simulation and like really making terraforming and the ability to do that really work well. Like it kind of works, but it's kind of messy. So like really iterating on that and making that an amazing experience. Yeah, there's just, there's so much more to do and so many more interesting things to do within what we've already done. So there, I, yeah. I'm very optimistic that we're going to launch on Steam and it's going to sell so many copies that I'm going to be able to keep the entire team around <laughs> for years to come, assuming they want to continue working on it. And that we'll be able to just... I'll just, just be able to continue working on this for a long time.
0: Cool. Uh, do you... This is a little different, but um, do you consider yourself a game designer in the general sense? And if so, or if not, do you draw from sort of general game design practices when figuring out what what should be in Universe Sandbox.
1: May, gosh.
0: Because there's like a set of concepts and not really skills, but just like ideas and concepts that make up, you know, being a modern game designer. Right. I'm going to,
1: gosh, kind of not actually. I So of the many things still to do that we want to do is add more interesting activities and goals for the user. And so add some elements of missions and games and that kind of thing. But if, and and I and I certainly see how that is going to be extremely useful and helpful to broadening the appeal of the product. Mm-hmm. But I don't. But at the same time, like that's not what is most interesting and compelling to me. So yeah. I see. I, you I see certainly
0: that, haven't needed it so far.
1: Yeah. Well, turns out this open-ended, no objective thing has sold surprisingly well. The feedback on the new one is wow. It's it it's like the first one, but it's so much better and collisions are cool and. There's yeah. so much more you can do, and it's just more compelling to watch and interesting. But yeah, so I mean, what 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 I find exciting is is working on like making all of these pieces of the simulation work together, uh, yeah. and which I, which isn't which is more I suppose simulation design than it is game design. So I yeah uh, yeah I mean what I would I would consider myself maybe a simulation designer. I, yeah, I yeah I would call myself a simulation designer, but not really a game designer.
0: It's a pretty I, sexy title. I've I've had enough of game designers, I think. Calling yourself a simulation designer is kinda that's that's kinda special.
1: I would feel I would struggle to you know, if you were like, Okay, you are not allowed to work on the Universe Sandbox anymore. You have to make a more a <laughs> traditional game. game and I would you know, I, it would it would be it would be hard. I don't I don't I don't know that I would do very I would do very well at that. I mean like one of the games that I remember from my from my youth that I thought was super cool was Ultima Seven. And what mm-hmm. was cool? And so RPG. What I thought it was really cool, but that was because it kind of felt like a simulation. Yeah. And so you know, if I you know if I imagine like okay, now you must make an RPG. Well, it would be what would be very, exciting very to me about that would be creating the simulation that the user is able to experience. Interesting. So almost any you know when I look at like previous game things that I worked on, or kind of like personal game projects, they were all they were all simulations. So.
0: Yeah. Fortunately, I mean, that's, that's a super popular genre now. Mm-hmm. I think in the past couple of years, simulations have gotten more popular. Honestly, the funny, th- funny thing, you talk about wanting to add some gamey aspects to it. And I, I think you said the same thing years ago to me. And you could totally spend a bunch of time adding, like, gamey aspects to Universe Sandbox. It could totally not work. Well, That's sort of the funny thing about, you know, like, understanding your fans, right? I mean, you're, you're obviously doing something right.
1: Well, I I think, well, I'm not, we're not talking about like a complete switch uh, or you know more of a like an optional mode that kind of helps users like helps walk users through the different all the complexity of the features that exist so you know here's this you know here's how you do this and now here's your goal use that to complete this goal so it almost Mm. be more of like
0: like a learning exercise
1: kind of a, a tutorial system that's that's not painful kind yeah of maybe, something
0: fun yeah something like a guided a guided experience exactly. yeah i mean people people like having things to do
1: well i, I mean that's some of the i think some of the fee- the common feedback i got from the original it's this seems really cool and it's interesting but like i don't know what to do like
0: yep that's uh, that that was how i felt about it yeah
1: someone you know said the same like minecraft adventure mo- or minecraft creative mode i don't know what to do i don't know what to make like
0: yeah so
1: because you know there's And you know, you put someone in a room with every possible paint color and brush, and you know, and then it's like I'm I'm making make a masterpiece, and it's like kind of uh, decision paralysis, which is totally the problem with the current with the universe sandbox. It's like it is, it really is pure. It's pure decision paralysis because you can do anything at any moment. There's no restrictions, and there's also really no, there's not much guidance either to like to even suggest what you should do next.
0: Do you think you're going to do anything to solve that problem soon?
1: Uh, we are hoping to have uh, a handful of simple tutorials that walk users through some of the cool features before we launch on Steam um, in the next couple of months, but not that's about, that's probably what we're going to have time for before then. Adding a more advanced like tree system with unlocking or even like maybe some sort of like story wrapper around that is something we've talked about, but not quite sure how far that's going to get. We'll, we'll see how the, the tutorials turn out.
0: Yeah, cool. Uh, let's see. Do I have any more game design questions? Oh yeah. Uh, do you guys make any design decisions based on metrics? So like spying on your users, seeing what they do, and then changing your design based on that.
1: We, in some ways, I feel like we should we should almost do more of that. We we That's added,
0: always true. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, we did add a survey that comes up at the end when you go to exit the So in that the big update that we rewrote physics and fixed the UI. Uh, we added this survey uh, mechanism, which interestingly enough on the back end, what actually it's doing is it's actually posting to a Google, uh, Google Forms document, which then mm, yeah. s- populates a spreadsheet. So we get this spreadsheet with all this, you know, all this inter- you know, what they've typed in, and plus things, like some interesting information about their-, their hardware. And so that's allowed us in some ways to collect more information than we can ever process.
0: Yeah, that's a really clever way just from a technical aspect like using Google Forms as a as your back end. Might might not be okay with the terms of the service, but we've definitely done that for oh, stuff. Is, it not, is that not okay? Uh, I don't know. I, I I didn't find a clear answer about that, uh, okay. but it's uh but it, it definitely works, right? And it, oh, it's, it's really great. It, it's perfect. You don't have to put in you don't have to set up anything on the back end.
1: Oh gosh, yeah. I don't don't tell us we can't do that cuz it's really nice and <laughs> we really love it.
0: We used that for the crash handler on Spacechem mobile. Oh. I think it's still, I don't know if I turned it off or not ever. <laughs> uh. Uh, no, I, I think it's okay. You guys aren't abusing it.
1: Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's been, and, and then this, uh, you know, this spreadsheet, we can share that with the other members of the team and everybody can go in and look at that. And you can actually just kind of like watch it, watch survey results come in in real time. And
0: Have you guys learned anything interesting from those results? I feel like that's the harder part. It's kind of easy to collect data. It's hard to analyze it.
1: Well, I mean in some ways I feel like there's so many obvious problems that I like are just inherently obvious that we mm-hmm. almost don't we don't necessarily need to collect which is not to say that I'm not interested in what he, in in, in uh, you know I'm totally interested in what the users have to say but in some cases it's like you know we could like not have any feedback for a year and I feel like there's there would be plenty to do that would be that I would feel very comfortable moving forward with without any feedback on. Um, yeah. But yeah, have, I don't know. Users love you know. Users love terraforming. Uh, like that seems to be something that, that users are really excited about. And yeah, what have we learned? Uh, oh, uh, we had a lot of a lot of requests for adding some sort of simplistic life simulation. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like, so, you know, in addition to terraforming, then getting a planet to be at the right temperature with the right atmospheric properties, and then, like, life would spawn, so, like, that's kind of been a...
0: That, that's interesting, too, because that starts getting into parts of science that we don't know that much about.
1: Well, we, well we're we already tackling that. Uh, oh, really? That, well,
0: you... I was going to ask you about that, actually, yeah. yeah. Um, so, how much of what, because you're talking about building a simulation, you're a simulation designer, but... I, I I suspect you're not a hundred percent simulating things that are well known and like you know real. Is that I mean There's, like do you guys build your own things into the simulation that are kind of more fantastical?
1: Well, that is, I mean that is one of the big problems that. We need to have. We need to give an answer when something crazy happens. We need to give an answer, even though science may not have ever ever asked the question or knows the end. I mean, one of the more, for, you know, for example, like what would happen if the sun suddenly turned into turned into a sphere of water? Like, you know, it's it's, <laughs> uh, you know, or if it became a sphere of iron, maybe even more interestingly, you know, what what would happen? But
0: uh, interesting. Do you guys? I mean, do you feel that one of the more one of the more complex.
1: Interesting problems is, is we're talking about allowing the user to adjust the atmospheric properties of planets, and mm-hmm. so like in the case of the Earth, you know it's what it's mostly nitrogen, and there's you know some oxygen and a little bit of argon and other little trace properties, and a little you know a very sm- small sliver of carbon dioxide. But if you know, but in allowing the user to like actually like change these sliders around, but like what would happen if a planet had a hundred percent argon atmosphere, which would never ever happen in real life, but like mm-hmm. because it's a simulation, and I, you know, I, I'm against the idea of restricting users from being able to not do crazy things like that. Climate science doesn't actually know, doesn't actually have, doesn't have a, a, a clear-cut answer as to what the greenhouse effect would be given all these weird, crazy scenarios.
0: So, what so, do you do in that
1: case? You know, like you know, as one example, or just
0: what do you What do you do when things like that come up? There's so many
1: crazy things that you can do that either doesn't actually exist in reality, so science, like, so maybe science could come up with a, a pretty good answer, but uh-huh. no scientist has ever bothered like, asking that question or spending time <laughs> on it because it's just so implausible and impractical that it yeah. doesn't even really make sense. I mean, even planetary collisions are like,
0: not, yeah.
1: you know, we've never observed one. So, yeah. you know, with the exception of, yeah, science has never observed a planetary collision. Let's say, with the exception of Schumer Levy 9 back in 1994 when a comet collided into Jupiter, Uh, We had a a little bit of advanced warning of that, but that's like the biggest collision that we've ever seen. So yeah, there's just so many weird things that, that we have to give answers to that you know that just aren't
0: super clear cut. So, yeah. Are you are you comfortable so like in our games mm-hmm. we like we base our games a lot on real life, but they're never simulations. So I am perfectly happy to go off into whatever is convenient for us or whatever I think would make the game more fun. Like how do you like where do you tend towards that with because like at, at the end of the day if science doesn't have an answer that you guys can simulate, you Dan Dixon have to have the answer. Right. And like what where do you go with that?
1: Yeah, well uh,
0: Just seps- whatever.
1: Well, I remember. I remember that. I remember that kind of like fun versus realism mm-hmm. kind of question. I remember that occurring back at my job at Surreal when we work on This Is Vegas, and it was like you know, well, should we be realistic or should it be fun? We should always. You should always pick fun. Like in games, you always pick fun. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking to myself at that time, I'm like, oh well, you know, I mean, I I think realistic is more interesting. Um, and somehow that becomes more fun. So you know, I was always like, oh, you know, I would I would pick the other, and that's kind of what we're doing with Universe Sandbox. We just added pulsars, man, and they're still very much a work in progress. But um, there was an issue with like the spawning or how fast the so a pulsar is like a super small like a neutron star, like a collapsed star that's like you know a star of, like the mass of the sun that's about the size of our Earth. And often they spin really fast. And if they have a magnetic field, then you'll get, because they're spinning fast, then you'll get these like crazy jets of energy that kind of come out of their magnetic axis. Anyway, so we added that and we have these little particles that come out. But it was like, oh, well, they're, they come out so fast because the particles come out at nearly the speed of light. It's like 90% (laughs) of the speed of light. It's like they come out so fast, like you can't even see them. And I'm like, and so they, so someone had gone in and like slowed it down. And I'm like, but that's not realistic. Like we're going (laughs) to, we're going to, you know, like if, if it comes out too fast and we can't see them, then we need to solve that problem some other way. It's not by changing the simulation; it's by making the particles visible, even though maybe you you wouldn't be able to see them. But uh, you know, like having them always drawing them at a, as a minimum size on screen, or just some other solution uh, as than than actually changing the simulation to,
0: Interesting. to fit. So 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 try to keep the simulation accurate, and then the outer layer of the interface of so the visualizations kind of making your hacks there.
1: Yeah, I would. Or I mean, you know, another issue. You know, it's like, oh well, if you supernova a star, like you you run time forward until a star blows up, you know, yeah. but then you you know you're running time past so so fast that then you miss the you actually miss the supernova because you're running it like say I, don't know, I mean you you could be running at a billion years per second, and then the sun mm, explodes yeah. and like it's all over you know before you've even seen it. You know, it's like well, well, I mean that's a problem to solve, but it's not you know the, the solution is not
0: i don't know to make it take longer exactly yeah you want to pause time or slow down when it's interesting oh and uh, yeah that's another problem with simulations i would imagine is the time scales i mean our games have very very sane simulations and we still have the problem that if you're fast forwarding it's very easy to blast past the thing you were trying to fast forward mm-hmm. to yep i imagine on a cosmic scale that's way worse
1: scales are always an issue uh well and, and i mean another, another issue that we have is like well if you you shoot a small asteroid at a planet, and you want to see that explosion with all these particles and everything. Um, you know, and let's say you have a you have kind of a particle budget of, a, say, a thousand. Well, you know, if that's the only thing going on in the scene, you kind of want to see all thousand particles. But then, if you collide another planet with that same planet, you know, now you've got the same particle budget. You know, but the collision is a thousand times larger. So just this this huh. kind of this issue of like even even kind of scale in the detail, like being able to you know like tr- trying to set up the simulation so that to have as much detail even on the small scale if if that's possible, but then when you but then when something even bigger happens you know I mean you, you might not be able to have more particles, but I mean obviously everything's bigger yeah I mean that's it's just scale is a huge problem that would be solved if we were just like you can't change time <laughs> but then but <laughs> I mean, in many ways, I, f- I feel like that's what's actually really interesting about playing around with it is, like, being able to gain an intuitive sense for how the, the actual, the immense difference in scale for both the size yeah. of things um, and time. And just how, you know, like, one of the cool things, and you could do this in the original as well, is uh, and we just added this feature into the new one, is light pulses. So, you know, speaking of the speed of light, like, you know, uh, it's like a little pulse of, it's just a pulse of particles that emits from the body. And and those particles are all given the a speed of light speed, and so you can see, you know. So if you're doing if you're if you if you do this at real time, like you won't you'll miss it. But if you slow time if you slow time down to say real time or slower than that, uh, you know, and then you zoom out enough, you can actually see this kind of ring of particles, just kind of like almost looks like it's moving in slow motion, kind of emerging out of say the earth, you know, and it takes 1.4 seconds in real time for it to hit the moon. So you can watch that. Uh, I don't know, just it, being able to like, exp- in some ways, like being able to play with these scales is what's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, oh, that's, it's a huge, it's what problem. it's all about. It's a is, huge is problem. Scales, yeah. but, uh, but I mean, that's like that again, there's the challenge. Like the challenge is not making the game compelling. The, the challenge is allowing the user to experience all of these crazy scales in a way that's intuitive. Again, yeah. not that we've solved that, but you know, like, there's our challenge.
0: Wow. And I guess, yeah, wow, okay, cool. Man, that game sounds way more complicated than I ever would have thought. <laughs> it's like, yeah, hey, it's just stuff orbiting. How, how hard could it be? But I, I now I, I have more respect for what you do now. Well, Not to it, say I didn't before, but... Well, orbiting is
1: actually... Well, so of of simulation and space, like the, the original version of Universe Sandbox was mostly just a gravity simulator. It was a gravity simulator with, with some, like, not terrible graphics, although they're... They look, it does kind of look terrible compared to the new version, you know, and like a, a, a reasonably usable interface. But then in the sequel, we've like tried to add a lot more complexity to this thing. So it turns out gravity was easy. Like gravity is like 10 lines of code. Everything else, is super, you know, everything else is super hard. Climate is this just, bag? you know, this like crazy complicated, you know, climate is the most complicated thing ever. So, you know, even like climate scientists, you know, the, the, the climate simulations they run of the earth are like, you know, hundreds of thousands of lines of code.
0: Oh yeah, That's uh, all about like chaos, right? And yeah, it's just chaos theory, crazy, crazy, stuff.
1: complicated. You know, and our our climate simulation, at least for Earth, is like around two thousand lines of code. But uh, yeah, just it's wow. it's you know, whereas gravity, again, at least in the in its kind of simplest form, and what we're doing now is more complex because we're able to we're doing checks to make sure we're not like exceeding accuracy and some other complicated things. But I mean, you know, the original version of of gravity and the original version of universe and like early version, it was literally like ten lines of code. You know, and just couple for loops you know some multiplicational division Done. yeah and it's like and you get these amazingly fascinating results these cool orbits and these you know this just this really cool motion out of this really simple equation so gravity is simple everything else is complicated
0: <laughs> okay i want to move on so we're, we're going to wrap up in a little bit are you okay with going a little bit longer this has been really fascinating uh, do you know what time it is yes it's business time.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah.
0: So the big question for also, business time huh? is how do you make money? Like why are you still in business? How does this work?
1: I am, all, I am surprised. Uh, this, is, this is not – when I started working on this, I had no idea that this would be commercially viable at all. Uh, yeah. that was not at all why I started working on it. And so yeah. if I have any advice to give anyone, it's make, you know, <laughs> if you're going to make something, make something that you actually think is interesting and maybe <laughs> as you know, that's at least a better place to start than like, I just want to make a lot of money. Uh, cause that's, that's, that's just not been my goal. Distribution on steam was huge, uh, you know but but even then just being on steam isn't enough it happened to have been a compelling idea that had not really been done before at least not yeah. to the degree that it, that the original one had done and now we've you know we've been t- we've taken that to the next level here with the sequel i don't know i mean enough people buy it that um, i've been able to you know enough people bought the original and steam and i and then steam was gracious enough to include us and you know feature us in a number of sales which generated a, a very notable amount of money which yeah. I have been using for the last four years to pay uh, the team to make the sequel, and wow. I'm I'm very optimistic that the sequel will do well enough that you know the my the the bank account stops kind of creaking down towards zero and starts going back up. So yeah, which I, and I and I think that's very possible. We've uh, we've already sold uh, more than ten thousand copies of the sequel just on our website, which oh wow blows my mind. I can't I'm. That it, better than I. That's that's better than I expected, uh, yeah. and and so if that's any sort of yeah. And so once once we're on Steam, I think it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna take off even more. So
0: yeah, no, that's pretty good. Um, do you? So we talked. You talked earlier. You have employees, yes. uh, but you've also used contractors. Yes. Anything interesting there with how you manage people? Do you give your, Do you give your your employees and contractors a lot of autonomy in what they do? Do they work remotely or local? Yeah, every,
1: uh, yeah. Everybody's. Yeah, I mean, two guys in Germany, a guy in Denmark. Chad was in Florida. He's now up here. Climate scientist is here, but yeah, um, the astrophysicist is in Arizona. Yeah, if, if anything, I probably give too much autonomy. I, you know, you know it's <laughs> like, oh, you know, what are you working on? Oh, uh, some random feature that I hadn't consi- that we hadn't even talked about. That's great. You know, are you? You know, does, is it interesting to you? Then that's cool. Like, I'm excited that you're working on something you want to work on.
0: I feel like that's very unique. I I know that I'm I, I run like things obsessively and check in with I you know I we only really work with people in the office I, I guess we work with both but I, I definitely check in with people constantly and assign everybody everything they should be doing. Mm. So I think it's interesting that you're kind of the opposite.
1: Well, I mean, that, that's not to say that I, perhaps the I mean the feedback I do get from the team is like we could use a little more direction. Uh, so <laughs> you know, it's not necessarily. Advice.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: It's kind of my very relaxed attitude. It's your
0: style. It's, well, I mean, for it, better or worse. It, I mean, in
1: many ways, like that's how the original version of Universe Sandbox was developed. It was like, you know, I would like wake up and be like, what would be an interesting thing to work on today? And I'm like, you know, so somehow like that. Again, not that this, you know, kind of like speaking, talking this out. I'm like, okay, that's actually not maybe a really good strategy, but. Uh, <laughs> um, you know like that was the magic formula that made the original one su- su- successful. So that's
0: what I'm trying to capture yeah. with this. So you do it consciously. It's not just ah. well now I'm just <laughs> making I'm rationalizing and making <laughs> kind up. of consciously. Is it kind of just just what you do? I mean
1: Well, I yes, you know, in the way that like I just added that random simulation based on, yeah. it, you know, it was like, "Oh, this is interesting. Like, you know, let's try this." So this would be and it literally took me 10 minutes to, to drop yeah. it in. So it wasn't a big deal, but well,
0: and that's the benefit of giving people autonomy. Is that when people do see things like that, they can seize on it and and make something that's surprising and good.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's been pulsars was something that the uh, astrophysicist just kind of added on her own. In many ways, like some of the the putting the UI uh, along the bottom because like it was along the sides. Like that was something that Chris just kind of like, in, interestingly enough, inspired by city skylines. Like, oh, let's mm. just put everything along the bottom and kind of try that out. And then that kind of like spurred the the kind of we'd been talking about wanting to redo the ui anyway but that was kind of like kind of the inspiration there and that was something he did without asking about it uh george the other guy in germany he's he's like so i've decided we're gonna move to logarithmic z buffers which was gonna solve our issue of like i don't know, had this problem where if you have like a really small object and a big object and or something really far away in the background I don't know, one of our scale issues and you end up getting yeah. like flickering Of of bodies, and he's like, "I'm, you know, this is like, this is my plan, and like, you know, that wasn't something I, I had suggested or asked for." So, yeah. uh, So, and it it, it has been good in that in that sense. So, cool.
0: Are are most of the people on your team programmers? Everyone is. Yes, everyone is coding. Uh, Do you think that's important?
1: Well, I mean, if we had more art, I mean, like we're, you know, if we well, Chad actually is technical artist, so he he actually helped with the kind of. Putting together the model that we use for the New Horizon probe that's yeah. passing by Pluto.
0: He can also program. He, I mean, he, mo- I mean, he mostly programs. So, yeah. Interesting. Uh, so you really you have, you are a team of mostly programmers I mean, with other skills.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it, you know, even the astrophysicist codes as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's probably an important part of every being. Everybody being able to just add features is that you're. <laughs> if you're not a programmer, you can't just go add a feature mm-hmm. uh, to most games.
1: Yeah, well, and well, interestingly enough, so Jared, who handles, you know, if you email info at universehandbox.com, he'll often be the one to respond. He, uh, We've gotten actually him set up to, he's actually going to start working on the tutorial system, and so we've got him set up now with Unity, and so he's even going in and doing a little bit of coding as well, so even though he's not really a, certainly a programmer by trade at all, but uh, yeah, so everyone's kind of like either was or is or is falling into that, so cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one way to empower people. Okay. Um so let's see. Final big question is and this is our signature question. Tell me about a time that you fucked up and then how you survived it. Oof. It's specific to not not life in general, but uh, <laughs> the game universe sandbox. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, probably my my biggest my biggest mistake was was after yeah after we after the, the first one launched on steam uh you know i had i'd expected that we were going to i was going to continue working on that and continue updating it i talked about how i was going to add audio to that by the end of the year so this was again this is in 2011 you know and then you know a few months later i was like oh well, i actually have the resources to you know hire some people and start over and really really fix this right and man if you looked at the code base the original one you would be like slightly horrified like there are some <laughs> you know like a, Admittedly, like I was not a programmer by trade, like I made a lot of terrible architectural mistakes. Anyway, it was a mess. So, so yeah. okay, time to re- time to restart, and you know, so started working with Chris and George in Germany.
0: On the Unity version. On the
1: Unity version, you know, and I kind of, and I, so I kind of, and I and I imagined at that time, like, oh, we're going to get this up and running, like in a year, six months, you know, we're going to have something really good to go. And so, I was like, yeah, everyone that's bought the original one. I'm going to, you know, everyone, they're all, everybody's going to get the update for free. And so I had said that. <laughs> I, you know, I, I you know, I also, like, part part, part of the reason for that was, well, now I don't have to rename it, I don't have to call it 2. <laughs> you know, like, I really just want to keep calling it Universe Sandbox. Like, in many ways, like, this is just more of the same, but so much better, so let's just keep calling it Universe Sandbox. Uh, you know, there were a number of, you know, it just seemed like there were a number of people who were having, like, startup issues with the original one. I'm like, well, oh, mm-hmm. if I promise them the new one, then, like, that kind of alleviates that issue. Now, Steam has a refund policy, so that's actually quite helpful for startup issues. Mm, People that yeah. just can't get the thing to run at all. You know, I think it was a small percentage, but undoubtedly, they, you know, they were they were a vocal minority. Anyway, so I, I promised I was going to give it away for free, and then you know, and then just kind of like slowly realized that this is taking a lot longer than I'd imagined. This is becoming a far more complex project. Wow, I'm spending, you know, I'm spending a lot of money on this. The original one like you know at that point like we you know started selling you know like in like during like summer sales or, or steam sales like it was discounted to two dollars at one you know it was 80 percent off yeah. it was two dollars and then we just kind of just basically decided that like oh wow, like that was you know we're putting a, a lot more work than i'd imagine when i made that initially made that promise into it you know and just like wow is you know is this basically just decided that like the promise to give it away for free was like just a really terrible decision, and so uh, at the end of 2012, I, after lots of agonizing, I wrote up this thing that you can find that I it kind of explained why I thought that what you know or why I thought I wanted to give it away for free. What's changed since then, and um, and basically kind of basically broke my promise. And not even basically, I totally broke my promise. That's exactly <laughs> what I did. I, I, you know, and there was there was quite a bit of flack from that uh people calling me a liar that i was out for the money that i was greedy that that no matter you know that regardless of whether or not it was a good business decision or not you have to keep the promises man you know i mean like and that's totally fair like it was it was a in many ways now it's been so long so <laughs> i think i think like everybody's forgotten uh yeah. which you know they
0: got a new one who cares yeah i don't
1: know a lot of people were had were a lot of the comments were fairly supportive. Like I understand, but like yeah, I think maybe well like the best summary that someone wrote was, "Well, I understand your reasoning for needing to not give away the the new one for free, but your promises now mean nothing."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one. That's pretty harsh, honestly. Yeah. I, I mean, that's
1: that's seem, it seems fair too, right? Like, yeah, okay. Well,
0: your promises were were perfect until now. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but yeah, you, you survived it. Like in the end, did it matter? Like it doesn't. I think s- I think you made the right call.
1: It was well. It was a, it was a mistake. I mean, it was it was a mistake to promise giving this the sequel yeah. for free, especially given what it ended up turning into. You know, it wasn't just yeah. a, it wasn't just a patch or an update of the. You know, it was a whole. You know, it was a complete rewrite in a new engine, and then it became far more elaborate and grander than I than I was imagining when I made that promise, so
0: yeah I, I think I think it's a good like you were you were earnest in in it, even if you you know even if that was kind of a mistake you know like you, you it came from a good place, and I think that people are pretty good at detecting that, you know especially when you have the the benefit of being an individual and not just a a mindless evil corporation <laughs> you know people don't realize that corporations are filled with normal people like you and me, but it definitely helps when the identity of your company is just you yeah
1: yeah lot oh man lots of lots of regret over over having made that promise and 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 regret about yeah i mean yeah i'd say that was probably like my biggest mistake
0: yeah so i I know for a fact every time i saw you over the course of like a year we talked about that yeah yeah well i think you did a good job solving that problem (laughs) uh okay i've got two little softball questions for you and then we're done um what do you do when you get stuck on something like, how do you clear your mind or find a solution? What's your, what's your trick?
1: Personally, like, going for a run, I find yeah. extremely...
0: Yeah, sad. definitely. Uh,
1: abandon work on that and go do something else. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, uh, well, Legacy is, has, is a great example of that because there, there are a ton of, like, half-finished features that i never bothered like commenting out before i hit release you know so if one thing doesn't try then go work on some other entirely different feature i suppose might be the solution so yeah i mean there's you know there's just so many there's so many things to do that you know if yeah if you get stuck on one thing you can switch to something else
0: cool and final question what's your favorite tool my favorite tool yeah like mine is excel what's yours mm, favorite tool uh Pretty happy you can go with, with a broad definition of tool. Okay, you, well, like a, like a hammer or something. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I've actually, I've actually switched to a Google Spreadsheet as, as far as like that. I don't even have Excel installed on any of my computers anymore. Slack is pretty great. Oh yeah, yeah, I really like that. So that might, that has been pretty revolutionary and for team communication. We were using yeah. Skype, just a random single. Chat log there. Uh, that was also when we only had four people too. So, mm, yeah.
0: oh, okay, Skype's pretty, pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Skype, even though we're using it right now. I guess <laughs> it's good for this. Yeah. But yeah, I, I can definitely see if you're managing a team of you know people just in totally different parts of the world, mm-hmm. you know, totally asynchronous schedules. Uh, something like Slack makes a lot of sense. Yeah,
1: Slack is a Slack is a good tool. Um, cool. Yeah.
0: Okay. Are there any last things you want to talk about before we wrap up?
1: Yeah. I'm. Well, it's been man. It's a Thank you for wanting to talk about my favorite thing for an hour. Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, I am so grateful to everyone who has bought the original, which made the sequel possible. I'm grateful to everyone who's bought the sequel, which is just you know, allowing us to continue to, to move forward on that. Um, and I'm just super excited about what the next kind of year, like, you know where, where we're going to be in a year is going to be. Well, we're already in an exciting place. There's a lot of exciting stuff that we're working on and just how just grateful I am to be able to be working on something I'm so passionate about. You know, I certainly appreciate how how lucky uh I am in that sense and I <laughs> want to take that for granted. Cool. I feel very grateful.
0: Feeling good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah. Okay. So Universe Sandbox 2 coming out this summer.
1: Well, we're going to be uh, <laughs>
0: Summer 2015.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we're going so oh, we're going to be well, we're we're going to be at PAX uh in at the end of August. Oh, cool. So
0: Oh, that's it's, exciting. It's likely that we're going to
1: try to release before then. So, and by likely, I mean almost certainly. Cool. So yeah. So PAX Prime in Seattle.
0: Excellent. We're going to be there too. Cool. So okay. That's all I got. All right. Uh, thanks for being on. This was really fun. Yeah, it was Lots fun. of information. Yeah. Wait. I I thought I knew everything about Dan Dixon and Universe Sandbox, but I was wrong. <laughs> so this was great. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks.
1: Thank you, Zach.